Well, this morning, I have the privilege of being the leadoff hitter of our new stewardship series. And I say privilege, when I say that, I wasn't saying that tongue-in-cheek. When we elders, when we sit down and we we plan the uh, preaching schedule and we look at the topics, we, we, we do this together. And uh, I personally asked the elders if I could take the first uh, sermon uh, of this series. Now, some of you may be thinking, uh, because of my role as the executive pastor or executive elder, um, and knowing that my responsibilities include the budget, this is why I would want this this first uh, um, uh, sermon series. But that, that would not be the case. You see, over the years, I've had... Um, the opportunity to share mine and Kathy's uh, stewardship testimony. And for those of you who haven't heard our testimony, you need to understand that this entire concept of stewardship, and especially giving, was a huge, huge struggle for my wife and I when we first came to this church. Because both of, both of us never grew up, we didn't grow up in a church that taught biblical stewardship. And um, matter of fact, we didn't give it much thought. It wasn't until we went through our first stewardship series at this church, I don't know, 28, 29 years ago, uh, we realized stewardship was important to God. Not because God needed anything, but because it's important to us, that we need it. I need it. Now, I'm going to do something a little unique here. And we don't know... Preachers normally don't do this in their sermons, but I'm going, to, I'm going to give you my main point, my main takeaway right from the start, right now, my main point, because when I got this, when I understood my entire attitude changed, and it changed my, uh, how both Kathy and I looked at stewardship. Now look, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about stewardship, we're going to be talking about giving, and yes, we're going to be talking uh, about tithing, and, and, and maybe you're not there yet in your walk, okay, but I believe you need to understand this main point I'm going to share in a moment, because if you don't understand it, if you don't embrace it, stewardship will always be a challenge for you. It will always be a struggle. Are you ready? Your time, your talents, and your possessions all belong to God. Amen? Amen. Do you get it? You're dismissed. Have a great day. (laughs) You see, stewardship is essentially how we manage everything we keep. Christians are called to be good stewards of the resources God has entrusted to his people, including, right, our time, our talents, and yes, our finances. Listen, stewardship is a role. Giving is an act. And generosity is an attitude. But please... Please do not miss this main point. I'm going to be saying this all throughout my message. Since God created and still owns all that we have, stewardship is recognizing that God is the owner. And we are the managers responsible for using God's possessions to please him, to glorify him. 
Now, here's a hypothetical question. Don't shout the, your answers out, but it's just a hypothetical question. If you made $1,000 last week, how much of it is God's? Now, I know some of you are thinking, yeah, Dennis is talking about a tithe, so 10% of $1,000 would be, what, $100. Well, tithing, tithing is not the main principle of stewardship, or at least of this message, believe it or not. Although tithing should be a part of stewardship. And again, we'll spend a fair amount of time talking about it. But the main, okay, but the answer is not 10% of $1,000. The answer is all of it belongs to God. All of it belongs to God. You see, Deuteronomy 10.14 says, Behold to the Lord your God, belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. And in Job 41.11, we read, Who has first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. Considering that all things are God's, all things, God is the rightful owner of all we have. Therefore, we must manage all of God's things. This is the very essence of stewardship. See, it's not only what we gave, and that's important, okay? That is important. It's how we manage what we keep, okay? And over the next few weeks, we're going to specifically talk about giving, and we're going to specifically talk about tithing. Your tithe, your giving, my giving. But before we can go there, we must embrace the fact that or what true stewardship is stewardship is, and that is it all belongs to God. Stewardship, giving, and generosity are not the same. I realize using these terms interchangeably uh, can confuse folks, but please listen. Again, stewardship is a role. Generosity, or given is an act, and generosity is an attitude. In biblical times, a steward was a respected person with high integrity who was entrusted with the master's possessions. Now, the steward managed the possessions in accordance with the master's wishes. And since God created and still owns all that we have, stewardship, again, is recognizing that God is the owner and we are just his managers, responsible for using God's possessions to please him, to glorify him. This morning, we're going to look at the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, 14 through 30. And I believe this, this parable gives us good examples of positive and negative uh, stewardship. But again, remember, we manage God's possessions to please him, not ourselves. Before we, we read this passage, let me, let me pray again, if you don't mind. Our good God in heaven... I thank you once again, Lord, for the privilege of standing up here. Uh, I thank you for your word. I thank you for just your goodness. And Father, I pray this morning that I would handle your word correctly. I pray, Lord, that your word would penetrate the heart of those who are here. And as always, may you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. 
If you have your Bibles, uh, you can follow along. I'll have it here on the screen. There's about 15 or 16 passages, uh, and then we're going to break it down. But I, I like to read all of these passages first, so we just have a, a good understanding of, of, of um, the passage, and then we'll break it down. So you can follow along uh, with me uh, if you like. Starting in verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servant and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. To each according to his ability, then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I've made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here. I've made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, master, I knew you'd be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went, and I hid your talents in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I believe the players in this parable is clear. Jesus was the man leaving, right? And the implications are crystal clear. He's returning. Jesus is returning. We don't know when, but he is returning. You see, in that day, when someone took a long journey, you may say, I'll return next month or next year, but you never knew when they would have returned because just with transportation and the events of the day just being so unreliable, you just never knew when the person would return. Now, I also believe that the servants in this parable are, are us. We've been entrusted with the possessions of the master. The servants possess the things of the master, but they were not the owner of the possessions, right? They all still belong to the master. So keep in mind, folks, right? We may possess many things, but they still belong to the master, our master, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, notice how each of the servants received a different amount. One five talents, another two, 
The last one, one, according to his own ability. See, this is interesting, to me at least, because the kingdom of heaven does not operate on what is fair. The kingdom of heaven operates on what is best. You see, God did not entrust millions to me, all right? And the reality of life is some people just get more than others, right? I mean, let's face it, let's be honest. Some have nicer cars, right? Some of you have nicer homes, right? Some of you have nicer clothes or, or I don't know, um, straighter teeth or better hair or even hair in general, you know? Some of you can sing better, you know, whatever. You get the idea. It's so easy to compare, and we need to be careful with that. Because you know what? When we do compare, we open ourselves to that green-eyed monster of jealousy. And this is what happens when we compare. It either boosts our ego, and we can look down at others, or it makes us feel worse as we look at others. I mean, no matter how good you are, you always find someone who could do something just a little bit better than you. And you know what? No matter how bad you are, you can always swallow in pride as you discover someone who is worse than you. Please do not compare. Listen, God gives to each according to his or her ability. Listen, God doesn't care about the size of the gift. What God cares about is the faithfulness of the servant. The talent given here in those days was a measurement of silver or gold. Now, I've read sources where a talent was perhaps equal to like 6,000 denarii, which would be um, 20 years of an average worker's salary. Think about that. Think about your salary for 20 years. Right? This was a lot of money. Right? One talent was a lot of money. So the one servant who received one talent received a respectable amount of money. But then we see in verse 16, it says, He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. So we see that the first two, talent, uh, first two servants, they got busy. They got busy and had a return of 100%. Right? Now, I'm sure they took some risks. I'm sure they did, but, I'm, you know, but they, these weren't wild speculations of the market. The money was wisely invested. There may have been some losses along the way, I'm sure, but at the end of the day, there's a net gain of 100%. Now, of course, there's that last servant with one talent. What did he do? He put it in the ground. By the way, that was not an uncommon practice in the day because he put the talent in the ground thinking, you know what, there's no way I can lose any money. And he was correct. But he couldn't gain anything as well. Folks, the call from God was never for us to be safe. The call from God is for us to be faithful. We're to be faithful servants. In life, we're going to experience some loss. I know that, but God is faithful. He will not allow our efforts uh, to be unfruitful. Listen, if we are abiding in Jesus, we will be fruitful. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. 
For apart from me, you can do nothing. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That is a life verse, isn't it? Yeah. So we see that the master came home. And he came home to settle his accounts with his servants. Now, folks, make no mistake here. Make no mistake. This is the focus of the passage. Jesus is coming again, and we will have to give an account of how we manage what he has entrusted to us. Did you get that? The day is coming. For example, how do we take care of a family? How do we take care of those who have needs around us? How have we handled the word of God in a, in a lost and dying world? So on and so on. You know, what's interesting, you'll notice in the next couple of verses, Jesus says the same thing to both the first and second servant, didn't he? Look at verse 23. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. This is what I want to hear when my days are over. This is what I want you to hear when your days are over. Well done, good and faithful service. servant. It wasn't the size of the gain. Please understand that. It was being faithful with what had been given to us. It doesn't matter how much or how little you have. Infest it in God's purposes, and it will grow. Luke says, Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand more. If we have more, more will be expected of us. Okay, so the question is, are we faithful with what we've been entrusted? Are we? Remember Jesus feeding the 5,000, right? One boy had what? Five loaves and two fishes. And the disciple Andrew asked the obvious question, how do we feed the multitude with that? What did the boy do? Gave it to Jesus. Jesus fed the multitude. He had 12 baskets of leftovers afterwards. What is my point here? Simply, take whatever you have and put it in Jesus' hands and watch what Jesus will do with it. In other words, faithfully invest your resources. Now, let's consider the third servant. Did he have faith in his master? Not at all. I mean, he actually looked at his master as a hard man. He says, he also, in verse 24, he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. This man did nothing for his master. Okay? I mean, he just didn't. I mean, he hid what was given to him. And you can, as you can imagine, his master is angry. Not only that, he insulted his master by calling him a hard man. When his lord or his master came, all he had to show him was a hole in the ground. 
But look what his master said. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and I gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. The master called his servant wicked and slothful or, or, or lazy. Now, wickedness is a sin, but so is laziness. Listen, if he perceived his master to be a hard man, what more reason to get busy, right? Folks, we should know, I believe we do, we know, we should know that our Lord is merciful. And you know what? He wants us to succeed for him. He does. God wants us to succeed for him. And this is just my opinion. But sometimes, I believe, sometimes we can become afraid of failure. And maybe sometimes we're so afraid of failure, we hide our talents in the ground. Thinking, you know, not doing what we should do because we're afraid to do it. For example, we may say, I can't teach. But are you not say, maybe someone's saying, you know, I'm afraid to teach. Or, or, or um, I don't know, I'm a, I, I can't witness. Are you really saying I'm afraid to witness because I may say something stupid? All right? Folks, we need to be stretched. We need to stretch in faith. God's with us. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't. Listen, this man could have at least put the money in the bank where it could have drawn some interest. Or he could have had at least other people help him to draw that money. Instead, he lost what he had. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. When we risk all for God, he will reward with success. But for those who do not manage what God has given, they will be judged. And what little they have will be taken away. The words outer darkness, gnashing, and weeping of teeth, and weeping and gnashing of teeth are descriptors of hell and eternal punishment. The servant who buried his talent and did not use what God had given him to increase the kingdom of God was obviously a non-believer. He may say he believes in the Lord and he knows that the Lord is coming back to hold him accountable, but did nothing for him. We are saved for good works, right? We are saved for good works. For we are his, Ephesians 2 says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let me just say this very clearly. We do not do good works to get into heaven. Amen? Okay, make that clear, all right? But can we truly call ourselves saved if there are no good works to show for it? 
Jesus died for our sins, rose from the dead, securing our deliverance from death. Jesus has entrusted to us as the steward of the good news of the gospel. He has blessed us with many things, especially in this church. He's blessed us with many, many things. God has given us, given us stewardship over a great many things. Are we faithful to those things he has given us? That's a question I have to ponder in my own heart. That's a question I hope you will ponder in your heart as well. Are we managing those things to please him, or is it about ourselves? I want to close the sermon with a little snippet of my stewardship testimony. When I say my testimony, it, it, it belongs to both my wife and I. Um, and the reason I want to share this is I, I, I hope and pray it will encourage you. I said at the start of this message that my wife and I did not grow up in a church that taught biblical stewardship. And we came to this church, I don't know, 30 years ago. But we came in February of that year. And we, my wife, my family, we got saved in this church. So that first year, it was an amazing year. We got saved. We were just looking at, this church was amazing. We're doing great things. Um, I'm just looking at what God is doing. It's wonderful. But I never gave any thought to stewardship. Full transparency here. That first year when the offering plate came around, I took out a couple bucks and put it in the plate. That's all I did. I'm thinking, you know what? Church doesn't need my money. Look, you know, uh, it was amazing. And I remember saying to my wife, this church never talks about money. That's yeah, incredible. Then the next January hit, you know? <laughs> Oh my, for four weeks, you know, we got the stewardship message. Now, I wish I could say after that first stewardship message, God said, hey, you know what, I, I, I did great things. I did not. Probably elevated my giving from a couple bucks a week to maybe $10, $15 a week. Now, my wife and I, we were giving our time and we we're giving our talents but we really struggled with our possessions, our, our finances. It, just, it, it really was a struggle for us. It wasn't until the second stewardship message or series that we went through the following year that God got a hold of our hearts. Now, some of you know my wife. She is a math major. She loves numbers. I think the first argument... No, First discussion we had, all right, when we got married, who would handle the finances? We, we went back and forth. It's all right, fine, you handle it. I'm glad my wife has. She's really good with finances. But if you know Kathy, she loves numbers. She, we, we've had a budget for years, not just a budget. We have a budget with spreadsheets and graphs. Can I tell you, it is so annoying. I mean, it is, she, she knows where every dollar was spent. But God got a hold of us after that second stewardship series. And at that time, both Kathy and I were working for the Department of Agriculture. <clears throat> 
And we decided to have lunch together to talk about our stewardship. With two little kids at home, very rarely had that real that quality time. Now, we very rarely would do lunch at work because I would work out and she would do her own thing. But said, let's sit down, let's have lunch, and let's talk about our giving. Now, <clears throat> we had a plan. We had a plan. We were encouraged to give a full tithe. If you remember Pastor Thornley, he really encouraged us to give a full tithe. But you know what? Kathy's graphs and spreadsheets said, you know what? there's no way. I mean, we would clearly be in the red. That we, we can't do it. We just can't do it. So we had a plan. We would give 7% that first year. And if God blesses us, maybe 8% next year. If God blessed us. Now, keep in mind, 7% was a huge, huge increase over what we were giving. This was a, in our, a huge step of faith. And again, her spreadsheets showed a, a, you know, that we would be in, in the red. But we decided that one afternoon at the USDA cafeteria, we'll do 7%. As I'm walking back to my office, I felt a heaviness on my heart. Folks, some of you are very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Not so much with me. God, the Holy Spirit needs to knock me around a bit, okay? I, it's, just, it's just it's the way it is. But I got to my office, and I'm like, ah, it didn't feel right. Now, you need to understand something. I, I got saved when I was 37 years old, but I always believed in God. I have never doubted God. I believe God spoke the universe into existence. Never doubted that. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Never doubted that. I believe God parted the Red Seas. Never doubted that. I believe God spoke through a donkey. Never doubted it. I believe in every, every Bible story. I never had a doubt. I'm sitting in my office thinking, yeah, I believe that, but I can't believe that God can handle the phase finances. <laughs> really? I said, you know what? I need to step, up, step out in faith. My next thought was, great. Now I need to tell Kathy this. Right? So I'm going home, driving home, thinking, oh. She's going to break out her graphs. She's going to break out her spreadsheet, and i got to go through all this, and we're going to argue. We just are. This is not going to be a good evening. So I walk in the house. The first thing Kathy says, we need to talk. That's never a good thing, okay? When Kathy says, we need to talk, I've usually done something wrong. So we go into the living room, and that's where we would have those talks, and I hated the living room. And she said, we've got to give 10%. I was floored. I was floored. I mean... Both the Holy Spirit convicted Kathy and I so strongly. But I said, well, we're going to be the red. Said, no problem. We're going to trust God. And if we're in the red, we'll just blame Pastor Thornley. You know what I mean? All right? <laughs> Full transparency here. We started to tithe. Within one month, all hell broke out in the Faye household. Seriously. You, you can talk to her. She'll, she'll tell you this. All our kitchen appliances broke. Refrigerator. Dishwasher. My beautiful Siberian husky started to have seizures. Vet bills are expensive. So not only now she's on medicine every day for the rest of her life, she's on a special diet. And my husky is big. This dog could eat. My wife gets into a car accident. Not her fault. She's okay, but she wrecks the car. We get a rental car. The next day she backs it out and wrecks my truck. She hits my truck. 
Then we get the news that Kathy's father is dying of lung cancer and it's terminal. Now we're on a death watch. I think, Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing? We're trying to be faithful. And you're doing all of this. But we were faithful. Not boasting. I'm boasting in the Lord. We were faithful. We continued to tithe. At the end of the year, our bank account wasn't full. Our savings account did not increase. But we were in the black by $8. That's how accurate my wife is. $8. How did that happen? Kathy received an unexpected award that was quite hefty. And then we actually received a rebate from our insurance company from something that we had overpaid. It, it, it just happened. It was unbelievable. Now, look, we're told to be cheerful givers. We weren't cheerful givers that year, okay? We weren't, but we became cheerful givers because it not only changed how I look at, looked at my stewardship, it changed how I looked at everything, how faithful God is, that he would take care of the faith. It was unbelievable. And this would be tested five years later when this church asked me to come on staff full time. I was working for the government in a job I love doing quite well. And to come here as the small group pastor at that time would be a significant pay cut. That's just for one year, but for every year, right? A significant pay cut. My oldest daughter just started college. And my youngest daughter would start the following year. So I would have two kids in college. We prayed for three months. And finally, it was the Lord who convicted Kathy. And Kathy says, if the Lord's calling us, how can we say no? And I'm just going to tell you, you know, we knew that when we were to go into full-time Christian ministry, we'd have to give up some things, make some sacrifices. And we did. But God was so faithful, even in the little things. For example, we said, you know what? We can't do a vacation for a number of years. There's a woman in our church whose aunt gave her a free week at Myrtle Beach every year. And she invited us to join her. So we had a free vacation every year. This may seem trivial, but I love football. And I love the New York Giants. Go Giants. And believe it or not, the year I came on staff, they were in the playoffs. Doesn't happen very often, you know what I mean? My TV broke. Couldn't afford any television. But there was a man in this church who owned a furniture restoration company and had a big TV in his warehouse. He brought it to my house. Oh, by the way, this is too heavy. It's staying here. One thing after another, God just provided. Again, folks, my, my, my bank account isn't large. It's not. Okay? I mean, we made sacrifices, but God provided. He provided. And our faith just grew. My wife is a saying, you can't outgive God. You know, I believe with all my heart, all my soul, that it all belongs to God. I really do. And since it all belongs to God, if he wants to use me to, and trust me with his possessions, that's on God. <laughs> it's taking the pressure off of me. So my wife and I, we love to give our time, our talents, even now, our possessions. I mean, giving is actually fun for us. You know, the great John Wesley wrote, 
regarding stewardship this. When the possessor of heaven and earth brought you into being and placed you in this world, he placed you not as an owner, but as a steward. As such, he entrusted you for a season with goods of various kinds. But the sole property of these still rests in him, nor can that ever be alienated from him, as you're not your own, but his. Such is likewise all you enjoy. Let's pray. <laughs> Lord God, giver of life, source of all freedom, we know that all we have received is from your hand. Oh, you are a gracious and loving God. You call us to be stewards of your abundance, the caretaker of all you have entrusted to us. Help us always to use your gifts wisely and teach us to share them generously. May our faithful stewardship bear witness to the love of your Son, Jesus Christ, in our lives. Lord, we pray all these things with grateful hearts. We pray these things in the strong name of Christ Jesus. Amen.